Blog Talk Radio. podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. This is Sarah Utah, the host and creator of Trendle Bed Tales. Find us around the web under Trendle Bed Tales on your favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find the show. This is episode 96. Laura Inkles Wilder Fandom Roundup 2017. But before we get back to that, let's do a little housekeeping. And that is when we talk about what's going on. And first, if you want to be part of the show, call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. That's toll-free, 1-877-633-9389. And... You can also, you can call and ask questions, but you can also uh, just call and listen in if you are on the go. If you come back later through iTunes, you can download episodes for free and take them with you as MP3. And that is about all the technical stuff, but I do want to make sure that uh, first off, everybody knows that it is uh, January 10th, we're recording this, and that means it's Pa and Mary's birthday. They were both born on the same day, some years apart, which is always a cool thing. And that brings me into letting, reminding everybody that we always do a live episode on Maura Ingalls Wilder's birthday, which we call our on-air birthday party. Now, what we like to do with that is for people to call in and share their Laura memories, but you can also uh, contact me on Twitter or Facebook or email me at info at with your story ahead of time. So please, uh, we've got, usually take a whole hour, so think about what you might want to share your favorite Laura trip, uh, when you first uh, were introduced to Laura, your favorite thing from your Laura collection, your uh, Laura dream, which you would always like to do and haven't yet. Um, So just whatever you would like to share about Laura, please do. And remember that's coming up. Before that, we will have an episode later this month looking forward to Laura Ingalls Wilder Fandom 2018. We don't have as many things on the schedule as we did last year, but we are always glad uh, to 
get in touch with people. And if you know of some event, please let us know. And with that, I think that is, oh, and I should also, um, yeah, that's probably good. So that's all our housekeeping. And with that, we are starting to look back at Laura Ingalls Wilder fandom during 2017, which is a big year because it is the 150th anniversary of Laura Ingalls Wilder's birth, which means that we had a lot of stuff. Uh, It's also always kind of a deal uh, for us to have this episode because it was in December 2010 that we had our very first pilot episode, which was one of these round uh, roundups. And I didn't have uh, my theme music recorded yet, and I didn't have uh, my sound effects for housekeeping. And I actually wasn't feeling very well, but I wanted to go ahead and get one done as an experiment. So. That's our pilot episode, and we've done one every year since then. So if you want kind of a roundup to what happened each year in Laura fandom, those are fun to go back and look at. Now, this year, we had a lot of events going on because of that 150th birthday. There was events in January. The Mary Ingalls uh, birthday event at the American Institute for the Blind, and there was a Laura birthday party at the National Cow Girl Museum just to start us off in January. February had events all over the country near or on Laura's birthday. Of course, the Pomona Public Library has had an annual Laura Ingalls Wilder Gingerbread uh, party since 1967. And so that was their 50th anniversary last year. For some reason, I still don't understand. They were celebrating it in 2000. They said it was the 50th in 2016. That isn't right. It was, it was 2017. And many people also added a party that year because of the birthday. So there was a party at places like Old World, Wisconsin, and many small sites around the country. There were libraries and uh, Usher's Ferry Historic Village near me uh, had you know some sort of small party, which uh, was very nice. I, of course, did not uh, do anything with that because I don't take bookings on Laura's birthday, or well, in February, January, February, because I've just had to cancel too many for the weather, but good for the people who were brave enough to try it. They also had a special event at Pepin at the Birthplace Cottage. And that is where uh, Laura was, of course, born. And they'd had a drive run the year before. It's kind of a small event, honestly. You have to have kind of a lot of bravery to be driving, uh, to plan on uh, driving that far for an event in a winter, just because you never know when an ice storm 
or a blizzard's going to hit. But if you've got plenty of time to be able to stop when the weather would turn bad, it would be a fun thing to do. HarperCollins also celebrated the anniversary by releasing a new set of the first three books in the series, Little Hops in the Big Woods, Little Hops in the Prairie, um, and I think it was On the Banks of Home Creek was the third one that they included. I don't think they did Farmer Boy. And I didn't write that in my notes. So I will have to add that to the show notes. Maybe it was Farmer Boy. Anyway, um, three books, and each one had a foreword by a famous person who was affected by the books, which was nice. They did not have the Garth Williams illustration. They also collected the Little House Book of Wisdom, which was the uh, quotes, basically, from the series. And even though they did not announce it being part of the anniversary, they also have slowly been releasing the uh, simplifications that they first put out in the 90s, the chapter books, and there was one that came out this year that was the picture book Treasury, which had, I think, six of the Little House picture books in a hardback cover. So they had quite a few things going on. March didn't have much, but there was in April the big South Dakota Historical Society Conference. It was sponsored this year, um, well, organized. And in South Dakota, they have their historical society uh, divided into different sections, and they have this great conference every year, and each division within the historical society takes turns at hosting it. So when I spoke year before last, it was the museum's turn. Uh, this year, it was, well, 2017 was the press, and this coming up year is going to be the archaeology department, and they're going to be out in western South Dakota talking about South Dakota archaeology. So anyway, it was the press's turn in 2017. And what they decided to do for their theme is Pioneer Girl was so popular. The sales were going so well. I mean, it, it was nothing short of a tsunami of sales that came pouring in uh, for various reasons, which we've talked about in our interview with Nancy Copel. Uh, but anyway, they wanted to sort of expand on that instead of letting it drop. And so they planned three additional books that reflected back on Pioneer Girl. And the first one of these is Pioneer Girl Perspective. And the uh, speakers for this conference were the people who had submitted essays for this book. If you do not get to attend, they do have DVDs of the conference available, which is great if you didn't get a chance to do there. However, they were going with um, ambient sound on a camera that didn't have that good of a mic. So uh, it is difficult to understand what people are saying uh, sometimes, and that is unfortunate, but at least it is available, which is great. Uh, and be sure to look for Pioneer Girl Perspectives, which is released now, and there should be two more books being released in the near future. 
May had the home sites open up for the year, of course. Uh, and uh, in June, this isn't anything that really impacted too many people, but I finally got out to Keystone. I got to see the Keystone Area Historical Society and what they claim is the original China Shepherdess. I've been wanting to do that for quite a while, and they have a new administration there, uh, a new director, and you know, within the last couple of years, and uh, she's a national park ranger in the other um, half of the year, and I have hopes that it is going to do all sorts of improvements. July, they had uh, Laura Palooza, they had a event at, or Blue Palooza was down in uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri this year, and was, of course, the um, Laura Ingalls Wilder Conference that is held every two years. Malone had pretty much their normal events, but in their summer event, they added and Laura's 150th birthday celebration and had some kind of small ceremony as part of an event they normally have. And DeSmet had uh, their, what I think we've been calling the DeSmet event. They had done one of these a number of years ago. Oh, I wanna say something like 2008, 2009. I'd have to look it up. but. Uh, it was a big event, and pretty much anybody who was anybody in Laura fandom, um, people came from all over the place for this huge event. Now, this year's was um, on a different, they were fo hosting for the first time two actors from the series as the primary source of interest. And that was, of course, Alison Ingram, who played Millie Olsen on the NBC series and Dean Butler, who played Almanza Wilder. And those are the two that have really uh, picked up the baton and make the most appearances and really kind of uh, keep the show alive for fans. Now, there are certainly other actors in the show who do performances, but I think these two do the most. Uh, and you can listen to Dean Butler's interview that I did with him in a previous episode where he was talking about getting to do this event. And this time the crowd, uh, because of that, was, I think, a lot more TV show tipped. And um, part of that, I think, is also because it was the weekend after uh, the Laura Palooza and a lot of people who might have come to this went to that instead and couldn't be gone the two weekends in a row, which I certainly understand. Um, Vinton has had, for the past number of years, a Mary Ingalls pageant on the first weekend in August. It really uh, is a wonderful thing. If you get a chance to go to it, go, especially the scene where they do Mary's graduation uh, minus the addition on the room, exactly where Mary's graduation ceremony was. They did the white dresses and the whole deal, and it was really 
really wonderful. They also uh, did some scenes where they talked about the kinds of things they learned at the school and how they, uh, the students who were blind would learn to do things like set the table and, and find their clothes again. And it was just, it was just fantastic. Unfortunately, they did not have one this year, partially because of a political deal that's going on in Iowa. The Board of Regents, and I think this is true in other states, the Board of Regents uh, is in charge of the money that is given to the regent institutions in the state, which in Iowa at least are the three big colleges, the School for the Deaf and the School for the Blind. And there seems to be and this is, you know, I'm certainly not on, on, on the board or anything, so, I mean, it's not an inside view. But looking and listening from the outside, there has been continued efforts and continued pressure from the uh, big three colleges that already get the lion's share of the money to push the blind school and the deaf school out of existence. Add to that, there is always some pressure um, change how things are being handled because of mainstreaming, um, which had really impacted the blind school more than the deaf school, unfortunately. Well, not that it would be better if it was the other way. They both had been impacted. And due to that, the regents have been trying to combine them into one school and that school will be will be uh, located in Council Bluffs, which means a lot of stuff is going on at the blind school um, in terms of Well, I hate to say destruction of records, but really what it amounts to destruction of records. And uh, even though the, the Mary Ingalls uh, Association has been working closely with them, has made sure that the uh, books that, the registrar books that talk about Mary are preserved and on proper display, and really put a lot of time and effort in dealing with the artifacts and papers they were really not um, taken into consideration on this at all. And even though I, I don't know why the regents think they have the ability to do this, unless they've gotten a law through the General Assembly, which I did not hear about, I do not think they actually have the legal um, authority to close the school grounds, but they are not seeming to let that stopping them. And they are planning on moving uh, pretty much everybody out of the school by June 1st, 2018. Because of that uncertainty, Maringle Society, who does tours in addition to this pageant, uh, has really had to cut back on what they're doing just because they're unsure of what is going to happen to the school. And they are 
Um, and that meant in part that they did not do a pageant in 2017, which I was sorry about. They did do a fiddle con by the people who used to do uh, the Uptown Bills Laura events. They have a program that they go through of songs that uh, Laura definitely played and their interpretation of what she meant by some of the books, which is always interesting to hear too. As of this point, they are still taking tours at least, I'm not sure if it's June 1st or July 1st, but after that, nobody has any idea. So if you want to see the School for the Blind, I am telling you, go now. Contact the school directly. You should be able to tour it pretty much any weekday. You have to set up touring on the weekends ahead of time. But if you want to see it while it still is the School for the Blind and uh, still has all the artifacts set up in displays, this is when to go. There is no question. This is when to go. All right. Moving on from that, September was also a big uh, celebration month. As always, it is the Pe Pepin Days and the Mansfield Days. Both Pepin and uh, Mansfield had uh, special things going on. Pepin, it was pretty low-key since they'd already had their birthday thing. It was more of kind of a mention than anything else, um, which they, they could have done a lot more with, sadly. Renee Grafe was uh, the second uh, keynote speaker this year, and I think it went over really well. I think people liked it and had gotten a uh, different view on books and how they are put together. So I think that is really a great thing that happened. And then uh, in October, there was the book sale at the Laura Ingalls Wilder Park and Museum in Baroque, Iowa, that they usually have the uh, golf tournament. I mean, I'm sorry, they normally have the book sale, the golf tournament's Malone, <laughs> uh, the book sale in October or in the fall. There were, was a lot they were putting out different dates for it throughout the year, but it did end up being in October. Uh, and also Malone had a special event. Now those uh, who of you who follow Dean Butler at all know that he is now uh, part of the production team for a um, show on golf. Um, uh, Farrandy, I think it is. Honestly, I, I don't do sports, so I, I'm probably totally wrong on that. But it's it's a show uh, that focuses on sports and, and golf. And they had a charity golf tournament up in Malone as a fundraiser this year. Um, Dean Butler, I think, holds a special connection to Malone first because of the documentary he did, which is great as a remembrance piece, or if you're planning a trip to Malone, uh, on both ends of that, it's uh, 
Life Before Laura, and it's Almanza's story in Mansfield, and it was shot almost entirely at the James Wilder farm in Malone. So uh, it is worth seeing. And because of that and the Almanzo connection, I think he has kind of a special connection there. He's been back for a number of events there, and it was great that he could use his real job to get this event fundraiser thing going. I haven't heard yet whether they're planning on having it again, but I hope it was successful that they raised a bunch of money and that they will be able to continue it in the future. And the, um, oh, and then I kind of skipped over the Mansfield one. In September, Mansfield, of course, is the 150th, as I briefly mentioned, but that was really the one that I am sorry I missed this year because uh, sort of what the first DeSmet event had been to DeSmet was the Mansfield event this year. It was during Wilder Days. There were a whole bunch of people there, which really kind of surprises me because um, they didn't announce the fact that they were having a special event there before maybe it was two months before they had it so I but people um, at least one person I know of flew in from England for it so it and people flew in from all over the country or drove in um, and how they did it on that little planning I do not know but uh, I'm sorry I missed it because there were all these people there and it was a big deal now, the biggest part of the event was a formal dinner, and the tickets for that were kind of pricey. But you should remember that Mansfield is the one who started out with a plan for land use, and while they had a chance at it, they wanted to buy back all of the land that Lauren Almanzo had in Mansfield. They did that, but they didn't buy cash on the barrelhead. They bought with mortgage. And on top of that, they have the new museum. So they have quite a bit of debt in Mansfield and could use all of the fundraising they could get. The thing that I probably miss the most is they let you take a picture of uh, yourself with El Manso Dean Butler in the living room. And not that I don't have pictures of me with Dean Butler. I think I probably do. I'd have to dig in the look. But what would have excited me about it was that you got to take a picture inside Rocky Ridge because normally they are very strict on that. Which also reminds me, I didn't mention yet, that another big deal in DeSmet was that they reversed their photo policy. Inside both historic dwellings, uh, and you'd already been able to take pictures inside the school replicas and the Discovery Center, but now you can take pictures inside the two historic structures, inside the Surveyor's House and Third Street House. And for some reason, they did not make a big deal about this. I think it's a reason to go ahead and make another trip to DeSmet just to get to take the pictures. 
but uh, they didn't. And I think that was a big thing that came out this year. And then, of course, there were Christmas shows again at uh, Mansfield and Malone, which tend to be the two Christmas events. Uh, in terms of books, besides Pioneer Perspectives, the new edition with the foreword of the uh, books in the beginning of the series and Little House Book of Wisdom, there was also The World of Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, Frontier Landscapes, which talks about the plants and Laura Ingalls Wilder, and Prairie Fires by Caroline Frazier. Uh, Frazier is the one who wrote well, edited the uh, Library of America editions of Laura's books and did the essay work around there. I have not yet gotten it read, but um, I have my copy, and I hope that I can get that read soon. And to just sum up also, if you uh, are looking for things that happened in Laura Fandom this year, you may also enjoy looking back at some of my previous episodes, which in this last year included an interview with John Miller, the author of Becoming Loring with Wilder, uh, Linda Halpin, who has tracked down, at least for what she believes, and she makes a pretty decent case for, what the quilt pattern Doves in the Window actually looks like. Uh, I interviewed uh, Lynn Belesio, uh, who was had, had a family, her family did ran a sugar camp for generations, and she ran one personally, so she told us all about maple syrup making. Uh, I've got a couple in this SMED event, including interviewing uh, Nancy Copel, who is the head of South Dakota's uh, State Historical Society Press, Tessa Flack, who is the director of the SMED Memorial Society, and Dean Butler, who attended. Uh, I also interviewed the head of the Keystone Area Historical Society, and we talked about uh, Carrie and uh, Laura and the Butter Cow. Uh, that was another thing I should have put in August, that uh, they, at the Iowa State Fair, they always do a carving in butter and have it on display, always a butter cow and something else. This year, they did Laura Ingalls Wilder, which got a lot of press, and they had inquiries coming in all over the country, even to the borough home site. Uh, there, we got to talk with the director of the Little House and Prairie Museum. We talked about the genealogy of a recipe, and Polly T came on to talk about TV sites that you can visit. That was an awful lot. There was just a huge amount going on in Laura fandom during 2017. Maybe I should have done an hour because I was pretty rushed on some of that stuff, but I hope that I included your favorite part. If I didn't, make sure that you leave a comment when I get the show notes up. And uh, just uh, think about your favorite Laura memory that you might be willing to share on our live Laura Ingalls Wilder birthday. And if you have anything I should include on the upcoming uh, Laura uh, uh, for events going on in 2018, let me know. And with all that, I'm going to sum up wishing you the very happiest and brightest 2018. And remember to brighten the corner where you are. <laughs> ¶¶
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.